Good morning. So good to be here. Sunbury and you know you you mentioned VLI uh, Bill thank you for your introduction I I remember uh, actually Rich called me uh, Rich Nathan called me into his office one day and I remember sitting on the floor under kind of my legs under a glass uh, coffee table in his office and he said I want to start something new I go what you know I'm in man he and he said I, I want to start a school and uh, I think it was called something like Vineyard Leadership uh, or Vineyard School of Leadership and, tra- and Church Planting kind of thing at that point. He said, I've got this, I've got this dream uh, to, to do this. I'm so excited. And I remember on that glass coffee table writing notes and all of that. And out of that meeting, VLI was born. And it was such a wonderful, uh, so, so wonderful time. I was able to oversee VLI uh, along with a lot of other jobs at Columbus for uh, some years, and it was a really a, quite a labor of love. I've got to say something. I have been in probably at least 300 vineyards around this country and in tons of other countries, and there's three things that you guys do that I saw on, here on Sunday morning I've never seen before, ever, ever. One is you physically have your children Stand up and pray over them before they go into class. I've never seen that ever anywhere in all the places I've ever been. The second thing I've never seen on a Sunday morning is to pray for another church pastor and their church. That is awesome. And the third thing, a little funny, but I've never seen mints on the stage <laughs> before. Now, I've been teaching for years for, uh, on healing, and I go, you know what? Just have a mint in your mouth before you pray for people. No one's ever listened to me. You guys have got it going on. That's so very cool. I love it. Did you watch the game yesterday? Buckeye Nation, right? You know, the, the Buckeyes were, oh my, easy, easy. Yeah, I know better than stir y'all up on this, but the Buckeyes worry me. I mean, yeah, I've never been so worried for a team that's number one in the nation and undefeated. They, they let Maryland right back in the game. It must drive Urban Meyer crazy, but we finished well, and, and all is well in Buckeye Nation. So hey, if, you've got a, if you've got a Bible or a device, turn with me to Mark chapter 1 and put a finger in Matthew chapter 28 right next door uh, to Mark chapter 1 going to be talking about something. I'm going to really try to be brief uh, today in the next maybe uh, 25 minutes or so. I want to talk about something that is absolutely what I would call paradigm changing. It certainly was for me and it is, it's got to happen in your life if you're going to be a person who goes out following Jesus into the deep waters of making God's love and his kingdom real. It's got to be Paradigm. You have to go through a certain paradigm or model for normalcy in the kingdom. You've got to make the shift. Now, I know that many of you have made that shift. Some of us haven't. I'm going to tell you my story because I'm hoping that it will inspire those of us who haven't made that deep water shift into authority, kingdom authority. And it's waiting for you. God's waiting for you. He's given you everything you need to take the risk and bring his presence and power. But I also want to mention, for those of us who have been around a while, 
I've walked with Jesus about 40 years, and I know for some of us who have walked with him a long time, we can tell the stories that used to happen. But what about the stories in these days for some of us who have been around a long time? Are you still telling the stories of what God can do in these days? I want to talk about that too. I want to play. I want to play as long as I have breath and I have energy because I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And it is my intention to be used on him forever. How about you? I love Jesus. It's been so good to me. He's allowed me to celebrate our 40th anniversary with the wife of my youth. It really is possible to love someone all of your life. It's the design of God. It's not an amazing thing for us to love Jesus when we are young and excited. It is a wonderful and holy and rich thing to love Jesus through all of the seasons and be open to what he wants to do. That's an amazing life, I think, that God invites you to live. And part of that is understanding who we are in Christ and understanding the authority. And so I've entitled this talk, Could It Be? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story because God wants to keep writing the stories of what he can do in power in and through your life. The cool thing is it doesn't matter how young you are it doesn't matter how old you are and anything in between. If we take the risk and we bless what God is doing in the moment and go in the authority of Jesus, his kingdom comes. That's what I want to talk about today. I had the honor to pray for a person just last week who uh, was deaf in her right, her left ear, and prayed for her. And the Lord released healing that she could hear again. His kingdom is real. Prayed for a man in that same meeting who had had a severely sprained ankle, and in the months following that ankle sprain, the pain had gone, but it had tightened up, and so he had no range of motion. He couldn't have his foot go up and down like that, and just laid hands on him and asked Jesus to come and do what Jesus does. That's authority, by the way, to go and welcome the presence of God, to move in our authority and the Lord released healing that he had range of motion and, and his, just, his foot just moving around and the joy in his heart knowing that God had touched him in that way. That's bringing the kingdom. I want stories like that all of my life. How about you? How about you? Yes? I know you do. I know you do. Well, let me share with you a, a, a story that changed my life forever. It's not a pleasant story for me. It causes me some embarrassment and some pain, but God used it to change my life and introduce me into some things about authority. I was a young leader, uh, and it was in the 80s, planting a church in this area, actually. I planted the Calvary Chapel. My wife and I planted the Calvary Chapel that's in Columbus now, and we planted that in, uh, a little bit later in the 80s after going to Fuller Seminary, and, and uh, so we planted, and I was a young leader, and I had lots to learn. I still have lots to learn, but I really had lots to learn, green and inexperienced, and the Lord was about to take me on a fast track, and he used a young woman named Mary. So one day, some friends of ours knocked on the door, 
and they had met a young woman in Westerville, actually, uh, nearby here, and, and she had been just released from jail, processed and released from jail, and they came to my house to help her. Her name was Mary, and I opened the door, and, and they introduced Mary to me, and we came in and began to talk, and Mary was very striking as a young woman. She was barely in her 20s, but she seemed old, just like life had been very, very hard for Mary. She had a darkness in terms of her countenance. Her head was shaved. She had the marks of self-abuse on her wrists and on her face. Uh, she just uh, had sort of a, a demonic sense about her and just made me feel very ill at ease. But my friends brought Mary to me because they thought I could help her. And the truth of the matter is, I couldn't. I wish I could have this encounter that I'm going to tell you back. Uh, I would do things differently these days, and it's because of authority. I hadn't understood authority yet, but they had brought Mary nonetheless to, to me for help. And so as I heard her story and sort of fumbled around a little while, I did not know how to help this young woman. She obviously had some demonic kinds of bondages, very hard story, very broken story. I liked her immediately. I just didn't know how to help her. And finally, as a young leader, I just said, you know, why don't we pray? And I know Jesus could help you. And, and so I just bowed my head, and, and she bowed her head, and my friends bowed their head, and I just prayed sort of a pastor's prayer. Lord, would you make yourself real to Mary? You love her. And I prayed what I knew to pray. In the midst of this prayer, though, I was prompted to look, open my eyes and look at Mary, and when I did, she was glaring at me. It wasn't her. She had kind of gone to the background, and this spirit was glaring at me through Mary's eyes, spirit to spirit, and this is what the devil said. The devil, a demon, said, she's mine, and you can't have her. I'm like, oh my gosh, this really just happened. She's mine, and you can't have her. And I'd like to say, I, said, I'm, I would like to say that I responded, well, she is going to be Jesus's in just a few minutes and come against that thing, but that's not what I did. I believed the enemy. She's yours? Okay, well, I guess that's the way that one goes. Still hurts to say it to this day. I finished some fumbling prayer, and Mary went out of our lives forever. And that moment troubled me for a long time. It really bothered me. God sometimes uses our weaknesses and our insecurities and sort of inexperiences because he wants to take us into the next places of understanding who we are in him and who he is and what he carries and what he brings. This encounter with Mary really bothered me that day and for a long time. I felt weak in this exchange. I felt that God had let me down. And I felt that God had let Mary down. And it seemed like Satan was way too powerful. And I didn't get it. And it really bothered me. But the Lord redeemed that time. 
See, what I didn't understand was what Jesus had really done bringing the kingdom of God. We're going to look at this in a moment in Mark chapter 1. I didn't understand what Jesus had done when he brought the kingdom of God. I didn't understand what Jesus had done in the cross. I didn't understand that Jesus had initiated the kingdom rule and reign of God as he came among us. I didn't understand authority. And I didn't understand my authority, your authority, to go in his name. I didn't get it yet. And I was going to get it, but I didn't get it yet. And the Lord allowed Mary to prompt this new conversation and this new time of discovery in the Word. And so why don't we pray? Ask God's presence here, and we'll look at Mark uh, chapter 1 for a moment. Lord, I know you have good things for us this morning. Holy time. It really is. I'm excited for my friends. I'm excited for my own life that we would encounter you today. I pray that you would pour out your giftings today. That we would be men and women who go out into the deep waters with you. Moving in kingdom authority and making you real in the world around us. The people we care about. The people we pray for. Lord, we pray for the stories that you would write them on our hearts of what you can do. Write them upon the lives of people that we make you real to. Teach us about authority and then come Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. We're in Mark chapter 1 for a moment and then we'll be in Matthew chapter 28. In Mark 1 verse 15, Jesus says this, early in the gospel, He's launching his ministry and he says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Your translation may say the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, this good news or this gospel Jesus is talking about comes in two parts. He says the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's the first part of his proclamation. He is saying God the Father has decided to act in human history. The kingdom of God has been forever, but now Jesus is ushering in the kingdom rule and reign of God in person. And it is going to be this kingdom rule and reign is going to be marked with authority, with power. The rules are changing. Jesus is among us and he is going to release kingdom authority and power. For example, Jesus heals all who come to him, demonstrating that he had authority over illness. That's amazing. He healed every person who came to him. Authority. Jesus cast out demons, demonstrating that he had authority over hell and over the devil himself. Amazing. Authority over hell. And wickedness. Jesus raised people from the dead like Lazarus, demonstrating that he had authority over issues of life and death. Our Messiah had authority. He had come as a decision of God to act in human history, and it was marked with authority. Jesus moved in miracles. As he multiplied fish and loaves and stilled storms and walked on water, demonstrating that he had authority over creation itself. The glorious, powerful kingdom of God had come crashing in and now stood toe-to-toe with the kingdom of this world. 
Jesus Christ moved in incredible authority. God the Father had decided to act. The kingdom of God has come upon us. And then there's the second part of this message in Mark 1, 15, and that is we've got to make a decision. Now that God's power is coming in authority, people need to decide. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. My friends, I know you know this, but I just want to say it in a fresh way. The people that we love who are seekers, people you work with, people you go to school with, the people in your neighborhoods, the people, people around your soccer team, the people that you want to see walk deeply with Jesus, they're not asking for us to judge them. They're not asking, they're not impressed by our theological prowess. They're not. They're certainly not impressed by the church's anger toward them or somehow we feel like we're better than them. They're not impressed with any of that. What seekers around us are asking is fundamentally this question, is God real? Can I know him? Or is church a joke? Is church just an organized club, just another club in Jesus' name? Or can I know this God? That's what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 1. The kingdom of God has come upon us and it's going to be marked with authority. And when God's power comes, you're going to know that God is real. And now you've got to make a decision. Do I want this real life God or do I not? But a decision is going to be necessary. And that's, going to, that's what's going to happen when evangelism is really percolating at, in the local church is that when we are taking a break at work and someone is going through a difficult time and we have a prophetic word for them and we know something about their life that no one could possibly know except God, God's kingdom comes in authority. They know that God knows them and cares about what they're going through and now they've got to make a decision about a real life God. That's how evangelism happens. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. When you pray for someone and they are healed, believer or not non-believer, they know that God sees them and has brought his power to heal. And we love him or we make a decision to follow him. Jesus said the Father has made a decision to act and now we need to make a decision. And so Jesus unleashes the kingdom of God in power. And that's what I didn't understand as a young leader. When Mary was brought to me for help, I had no tools in the toolbox, in the kingdom toolbox, to help her out of the bondage that she was suffering through. If a person was struggling with confusion or compulsion or some of life's issues, I had no tools to give answers to them in these deep ways in my world yet. Why? because I had yet to understand kingdom authority. Until Mary happened, and then I began to study, and I began to listen to the things that John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, was saying about authority, and he and some others helped me to connect the dots in the Bible that Jesus was all about bringing kingdom authority that I could have authority in the name of Jesus, that I could go in his power and that he would back me up. It dawned on me that Jesus spent a lot of time in the, in the Gospels defeating the devil's rule and reign. 
He was moving. Jesus was moving in incredible authority. He walked in authority. And in case you're wondering kind of in terms of definition what authority is, many of us understand it. Maybe some of us are newer in the faith. We don't understand authority in quite those terms. Let me explain it really easily. What's what Wimber, how Wimber explained it. He said, imagine a traffic cop here in Sunbury and a traffic uh, signal is out. And so cop is, is uh, dispatched to this intersection to direct traffic. And so the officer stands there, whether a man or a woman, let's say it's a man in this case, and, and so he stands there, and as traffic is coming this way, and he holds out his hand, what does traffic do? It stops, unless you live in Cleveland, then they run you over, but that's a different story, and we've also got Johnny Manziel to deal with, so pray for me. But... <clears throat> When you stand in here in Sunbury, you st- a cop holds out a hand, traffic stops. Come this way, traffic flows. Then stop, stop. Traffic comes this way. Why? Why do we obey? Is it because the officer is just so buff, just so Im- physically Im- imposing? No. Is it because the cop's going to pull out a, a 40 caliber Glock? We stop because the officer, when he raises his hand, he stands in the authority and the backing of the state of Ohio. That's why we stop. We don't want our butts in jail. And he can do it. When he says stop, he doesn't move in his own authority. He stands in the authority of the state of Ohio and all that that means. Then we're going to read, if you want to turn with me, to Matthew chapter 28, talking about authority. So Jesus is moving in authority uh, in the Gospels. It's incredible. The kingdom of God had truly come. Then let's add this. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse uh, 18, Jesus says in terms of authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Whoa, he's upping the ante. He has brought the kingdom of God, he says in Mark chapter 1, and we see him moving in incredible uh, miracles and authority, establishing who he is as Messiah, and then he tips his hand before he goes back to the Father, I've been given it all. I have all authority in heaven and in earth. Nothing defeats me. I move in all complete authority over all of creation. Now that's a sweet thing, but it's more than just us applauding Messiah. I want my Messiah to be powerful like that. I want Jesus to have authority over it all. That's not where he stops. He stops by including us in this authority. He says, I have been given authority over heaven and all of earth. Now go therefore, he's speaking to disciples then and disciples of every age Go, therefore, and make disciples, and baptize them, and teach them, verse 20, to observe all that I have commanded you, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. See, this is important. In my journey, I couldn't help Mary because, for me, Jesus was all-powerful, but it didn't translate into my life and ministry. It didn't translate yet. And so when Mary came and she was in bondage, I didn't know how to help her because all I could do was say, Jesus, you know, you're awesome. 
I'm not, I don't know how to help her, just kind of somehow help her, Lord. No, he calls us to more. And so in my journey post-Mary, I began to really study the scriptures. Matthew 28 here, Jesus has all authority. Verse 19, he's inviting me and you to go in his name. Now what does that look like? Well, then I studied further. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, it says that Jesus not only moved in authority, but then he called his disciples and gave them power and authority over all diseases and over the demonic. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Wait a minute. This authority doesn't stop with Messiah. He's increasing the circle. And now he's including the 12. Now that still doesn't help me a lot yet. That encourages me that there's a trend line away from just Messiah. But then I looked at Luke chapter 10, verse 1, and it says that Jesus sent the 70 two by two into the villages where he intended to come. I'll be with you always. He sent these folks to every village strategically, and then he backed them up with his power. The circle of authority is widening. And then we go into the book of Acts, and that is an account of the early church where the world is being changed by every follower of Jesus. The circle widens and widens and includes the believers of every age. When those things began to make sense, everything changed for me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Since Jesus has this incredible authority, and he freely gives this authority to his kids, could it be? I remember as if it was yesterday. Could it be, Lord? I see it biblically now. You're connecting the dots in my heart. Could it be that since you have such incredible authority and you so easily and desire to give it to us to go in your name, could it be that I could see miracles in my day? Could it be that I could help people like Mary? Could it be? It was almost like this desperate, joyful, faith-filled, insecure question. Could it be? And what he would show me in the days and weeks and months to come was the answer is yes we can move in his authority. And I began to test it out. So fun. I was on a roller coaster now. This was so cool. When I see something in the Bible and it makes sense to me, I'm all in. And I was all in. I was testing it. I remember my wife, right during this time of discovery, my wife Lisa came home and had one of those splitting headaches. You could just see it in her eyes. She sat down and, and my first impulse was to what? you know, uh, not pray. <laughs> I, I was starting to make the shift. It would be, hey, honey, take some Excedrin PM. And the Lord stopped me and said, pray for her. Like, oh, that's right. Oh, that, yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay, that's right. And I said, I just asked her a question. I said, Lisa, do you think Jesus could heal your, your headache right now? Do you, do you think he could do it? And I remember her beautiful green eyes. She just kind of cocked her head and went, I think he could. And he healed her instantly, in the moment, just right then. And I could see it. And she goes, it's gone. And I was like, I don't, I didn't get to help, Jesus. I was, I was, so I went over and I touched her head anyway. You know, I got the, I wanted one on my belt, you know, one notch. You know, so, yeah, okay. And I went, oh my gosh, I might be onto something. So I began to pray for any opportunity in those days 
late 80s, just started to pray for anyone, anything that would move. I once, I, was, I had a full-time job planting a church and had a full-time job outside the church and, and it was a package delivery place. And I remember one morning, courier came to me and he said, Rick, I've got, he goes, I know you're connected to God in some cool way and, uh, and, and I need your help. I'm like, what's up? And his name was Scott. He says, I've got this big job today and my truck is acting up and I need this job, man. I'm, I'm not kidding. I need it for my family. Would you come pray for my car? I went, yeah. So we started whispering it. Yeah, let's go do that together. And we went out to the car. We're both out there, kind of on the down low, kind of put my hand on his fender. And I go, Lord, he loves Scott. You're making yourself real to him. And this means a lot today. And it means it means a lot to you, Jesus. And I pray that you would encourage Scott. And I pray that you would strengthen his car, whatever it takes. Keep it till he can get it repaired tonight. Would you hold it that he could do this job? And he's, you know, we're whispering. And he's like, yes, yes, you know, it's so cool. I'll pray for anything. I'll pray for anything. Once this shift begins to make, you just start looking for opportunities. And, and Scott made it through the, the day. And Jesus did something in his heart from that. So cool to do I encourage you to pray for inanimate objects? No, that's not my point. It's that the kingdom wants to come into people's hearts. So I began to pray for people. And so during this time, I'm in a church planting phase. I'm starting to learn. I'm getting excited about uh, healing. And so I started, this is so funny, I started a six-part series every Wednesday night on a God who heals. I was so excited looking at the scriptures but I really wasn't ready to take that big risk yet. So we'd have, I had the first Bible study, went really well, and when we got done, you know, we certainly didn't pray for anyone. We broke for punch and cookies in our living room, and we talked about, you know, a God who could heal. Second week came, taught about a God who could heal from the Scriptures. Really good stuff. I was so excited, and, and we were getting excited as a church plant, and when the teaching was over, we broke for punch and cookies. Still chicken, right? God needs to make a leap in our hearts and in our mind and our thinking from what the Bible says, that it not only says it, but it wants us to walk in it. It's not just understanding it, it's living it out. And I hadn't made that leap, but I was getting close. Third week, teaching, punching cookies. Fourth week, the same. Fifth week, the same. Never praying for anyone yet because I was still scared. Sixth week, final teaching. I'm teaching, well, I'm teaching through, but what you don't know is that a woman in our church plant had come in and she had uh, sprained her ankle and she was on crutches. Jesus was about to set me up. And so we... He's, she's walking in, everyone's like, oh, Yvonne, her name's Yvonne, oh my gosh, what happened? Oh, I turned it on a corner, and oh my gosh, and, and it was just so swollen through her sock, I could tell it was ugly, and, and so she hobbled in, I did my teaching about a God who can heal, Jesus is in the business of healing, and when we got done, I said, okay, let's go get our punch and cookies, and they went, the people on the team said, wait a minute, you've been teaching about God healing, and she needs healing. Let's pray for her. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. 
oh my gosh, I'm all the way through this wonderful series. I think I've done a good job, pat myself on the shoulder, and now it's all going to be ruined because nothing's going to happen, you know? You, you know that feeling, that fear? But they didn't want to hear any of that. I'm like, I, I did the pastor thing. Well, you know, maybe we'll wait, see how this goes. She should get some treatments, and then maybe we'll pray. For they didn't want to have anything to do with any of that. They gathered her, put her on a sofa, put her foot on a coffee table, and pulled off her sock. And this was the ugliest ankle I've ever seen in my life. It was so swollen and black and blue and so painful. It seemed like it was like that big. It was gigantic. And now they're all waiting for me to pray. I'm like, how do I get myself into these things? And I looked at her. And there was hope in her eyes. And I looked at everyone, and they're just ready because God is in the business of healing. I've just been teaching them for a month and a half that this is what normal looks like. And I'm like looking at her, looking at them, looking at this ankle. And something changed. It's like, why wouldn't you want to heal her? Oh, I'm a little slow. And I put my hand on her ankle, and everyone was putting their hand on her head or shoulder and praying. I don't inflate stories, because I've seen a lot of healing around the world, and I, I am convinced in the power of God. I would tell you I don't believe God heals all the time, because that's not what I see. It's not in my experience base. But he heals a lot, and he does some pretty cool things. I've seen cancers, people with cancer healed. I've seen death People here, all kinds of things. I've seen wonderful things. But I tell you the truth when this happened. I've never seen it before, and I've never seen it since in this way. But when I put my hand on Yvonne's swollen ankle, it was like an inner tube was released. It was, and she was absolutely, completely, instantaneously healed. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. It was like the most wonderful thing that ever happened in my life. Everybody else went, well, that's what God said he would do. And they went and had punching cookies. And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. We need to call the, the Columbus Dispatch. This is the greatest thing I will ever see in my life. She's walking around going, oh, my gosh, it's just, oh, my gosh, it's so wonderful. And they're having punching cookies, and I am just in euphoria. And something changed in my heart, Jesus not only said these things, but he was prepared to back them up in his authority. And it changed my life forever. That's what Mary did for me. I'd love to thank her. and I'd love to see how she's doing in these days. I've seen the power of God. I prayed for a woman in, in Cleveland in our, in our church. She was in our small group. She had been deaf for 45 years. She went deaf as a child when she was six. Now she's 51. And in that small group, I was looking at her one day, and her name's Linda, and then she looked at me during a time of worship, and I looked at her and I went, can I pray for you? She obviously could read lips. She goes, yeah. And she stood in the midst of our small group after worship, and we laid hands. I put my hands on her ears, and it was like being transported back to the days of the Acts of the Apostles kind of deal. It just was so powerful, so wonderful. And when I removed my hands away, she could hear. Now, she had never heard 
anyone's voice. She'd never heard the voice of her husband. She'd never heard the voice of her teenage daughter, Ashley. Ashley was in the basement with my daughters during the Bible study. Ashley comes up, and Linda heard her daughter's voice for the first time. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come in Christ. And we have authority to go in his name. I'll tell you one more story, and then we'll have the time to pray. Invite the Lord. There's a very dear friend. She's still a really dear friend in South Africa. Her name is Stacy Ronald. And, and I visited uh, her and her husband, Ivan, when they planted the Harari's Vineyard in a neighboring country of, of Zimbabwe. So I was doing some ministry for a week or so there, and, and Stacy had gone through a head-on collision about four years previously. And she had slammed her face into the, the dashboard on this head-on uh, collision, and it had broken her nose. Very beautiful woman, uh, but, it, but her nose was crooked, and it makes a difference in this story. Um, she had broken her nose. She had gone through painful surgeries. But she had a sinus infections over and over and over for four years, constant migraines. Nothing was helping. And she said, would you pray for me sometime while you're here? And I said, absolutely. Well, she forgot, I forgot, we got busy, all of that. But near the end of the trip, we were in a time of worship with a whole group of young adults. And Stacy was front row just worshiping. And I happened to get, get sightline with her. And I went, oh, I was supposed to pray for her. And I looked at her, and the presence of God was all over her, just doing something sweet in her life. And all I did was go over, and I prayed that the Lord would bless her, the sinuses, what was going on in these infections. Lord, would you bless and heal her in Jesus' name. 90-second prayer at the most. Can you do that? Could you just bless someone and bless what God is doing and go in the authority of Jesus. Jesus, would you bring healing to my friend that I love? See, the thing about healing is that what we say when we pray for one another is you do not have to suffer alone. Whether they're healed or not, they're blessed and they're connected to God and God wants to heal much more than we may think. I just blessed her. 90 seconds, Lord, bless what you're doing. On the ride home, back home that evening, Stacy's in the back seat, and she said, Rick, I can breathe through my nose. And I went, well, like, good for you. I can too. You know, I don't know what she's talking about. And she goes, you know, for four years, I could not breathe through my nose. I can breathe. And then I got out, like, oh, Lord, thank you. I'm really happy for you, Stacy. Well, I went to bed. She stayed up. And the next morning, she's making eggs for her husband. I come down, and she goes, Rick. I didn't go to bed last night. The Lord just kept meeting me in waves and waves and waves of healing. And he's restored me, and I want you to see this. And she looked at, at she pointed at her nose. She said, he straightened my nose. And that was the problem for the infections that the surgeons couldn't quite get right. God straightened her nose and healed her of the migraines and the infections for four years being, being uh, plagued and tortured by these infections and migraines. Why? Because of us? Plague? No. Because the kingdom of God has come upon us, and we walk in the authority of Jesus. We walk in his name. My friends, God's calling us out into the deep. 
out into the deep waters to swim with him. And he gives us the tools we need to bring his kingdom. It's all been done. The question is, will we trust him and make that change and move into those things? Would you stand with me? We're going to take some time to, to uh, wait on the Lord here. I believe he wants to release some things today. He's been telling me some things about you guys. He loves this church. He's a giver of every good and perfect gift. You know, just as you wait in the presence of the Lord, I want to tell you one more quick story. Just stretch out your hands if you feel comfortable. What, what does that mean? It just means we come before the Lord with open, dependent hands. I need you, Lord, to fill them again. And I believe God's going to do some things that you're going to look back on these moments and say, thank you, Lord. Just wait on him. I'll just tell you a quick story. I think it makes a difference here. I was in uh, Mozambique and doing a conference and inviting the presence of God and telling some of these stories that I've been telling you. And, and during the ministry time, a young uh, Mozambican young man came to me and he said, Pastor Rick, and he took my hand and he put my hand on his head and he said, Pastor Rick, pray for me. I want your stories. And at first, you know, I kind of pulled back from that idea, but then I understood what he meant. He didn't want my stories, did he? He wanted the stories that God wanted to write on his life. He wanted his own stories to tell of the authority and the grace and the power of Christ in his life and through his life. He wanted to start taking more risks. And I would ask you, in, this, in these moments, do you want the stories of God for these days? Will you pray for anything that moves? You see, my friends, it's all about kings and fools. If we're willing to look like a fool to pray for people and to invite the presence of God, whether there's healing or not, if we're willing to look like a fool, Jesus will be seen as king. The problem is that we shrink back sometimes and say, you know, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to be disappointed. And then we don't have these opportunities to bring the kingdom close for people who are in and outside of the church. I want to be, I want to play the kings and fools game because I want the stories of God to be written in my life. I want to celebrate who Jesus is. I want to be proud of him. I want to understand the authority that he's given for us to move in his name and that he'll back us up and he will come with power. Lord, give us the stories for these days into the future, not looking back, but looking ahead. Holy Spirit, would you pour out healing gifts right now? You told me that what is what you wanted to do, and I pray that you would just pour out healing gifts right now on my friends. Just pour them out. You're the giver of great gifts, spiritual gifts, all kinds of gifts. Would you release your healing gifts? And keep in mind, Healing gifts go far beyond praying for physical healing. I've launched a ministry called Orphan Heart Ministry, and it's all about 
uh, people with broken hearts. People who have said, you know, I don't know if my, my Father in Heaven is fighting for me in this area of my life, so I'm going to father myself. And there's a brokenness, there's a hurt, there's a pain because we feel like we're all alone in certain areas of our life and the Father is calling us. He wants to heal our hearts that we would trust Him with everything. I'm going to spend the rest of my life talking about orphans coming home. Well, that's a, an area of healing too. God can come in and He can establish His Father's heart over us. He can lead us in Christ. We are not alone in this life. He will father us. Lord, would you release healing gifts that we could pray for people who struggle in these deep areas of the heart. Lord, would you release gifts of discernment right now so that we can see people like Mary and see the demonic powers over her life, their life, Lord, that we can see them set free. That's healing too. Jesus, in your mandate as Messiah in Luke 4, you said that you have come to heal the brokenhearted, people who have been used and misused, who are hurt in different relationships and situations, and they are brokenhearted and they are stuck. You can bring healing to the brokenhearted too. Release your gifts. Put them in our hands. Put them in our hearts we would move in your authority that you will back us up so many cool things are ahead for us and I pray that you would release power gifts right now and my friends if, if any of you I believe there are a number of you if you are sensing like a tingling or a heat on your hands or a pressure on your head if you sense that God is coming on you and releasing gifts in you I want to pray for you we want to pray for the group because I'm going to also ask for you to pray for one another. God's releasing his gifts with the intention of you moving in authority that you would see his kingdom come and you would see his love poured out with gifting, with power. If you were sensing that, could you come up? I just want to take some time. We're just going to pray over you. I'm not going to embarrass you, won't put you on the spot. We want to bless what God is doing. I think there's a number of us who are receiving that. Just come, keep your hands stretched out. And if any folks want to come around them and bless what God's doing, just come. Danny said that you all are equipped to pray for one another, but if you are receiving that right now, just come and wait on him. These are the days, these are the times of refreshing. These are the times when God's saying, you know what? You've been here, now I want to call you to this. And you're going to love it. It's the adventure of the kingdom. Bless the gifts that God's pouring out on you right now. And I'm going to ask you to turn around in a few minutes and pray for anyone who has need. Thank you, Lord. Come. Now come re release your gifts on my friends. God, you're calling this vineyard of through all the years to be a healing church, and you have done incredible things in this ministry here in the vineyard. We're asking you for more, asking you for more, that we would not be content on the things that happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. We want to see your stories today of what you can do. Bless you. Thank you for the healing we saw last night. You know, you're, you guys are like two minutes away from having some cool new stories. My hand is uh, 
Sometimes my hand gets really hot. It's really hot right now. That's a good sign. It's kind of a tipping of God's hand. He is doing something in this church this weekend. I bless it. Lord, pour out your healing gifts. I pray for the prophetic to rest on some. Jesus gives the prophetic very liberally. Sometimes they go hand in hand. You sense what God is speaking to you, and then you put your hand of authority, hand of, of healing to something, and the kingdom comes, and there's a mixture of that. Lord, would you release the prophetic on those that you are giving it to right now? Just receive it. Just say, thank you. Lord, thank you. More. And for those who already have seen healing in and through their ministry, would you increase anointing? There are levels of anointing for healing and the prophetic as well. Would you release that? Increase that, Lord. Thank you that you love to heal. Of all the things you could have talked about when you made yourself real as Messiah in Luke chapter 4, you talked about healing in five different dimensions. You care that we are whole, you care that we are well, you care that we are free, you care that we have you so close, and you care that you use us to release your kingdom in these days. Bless it. Bless it. Fill our hands. Fill our hands, Lord Christ. Now for those of us, you may be in this line here, and you need physical healing or some other kind of healing, and it might be somewhere in this room you would like to be prayed for, we want to pray for you. we got a whole bunch of people who are now moving in some new gifts. So if I were you and you have some kind of condition, I get prayer from one of these folks. Now, guys if you uh, and gals, if you have received, could you turn around if you're willing to pray? And you can pray with, on, in twos, like teams. It's not as threatening then. You can just pray for someone, uh, two or three of you can pray for someone. So there's not that level of, 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 of kind of whoop, freaked out kind of thing. Now, who would like to receive prayer? Could you just raise your hand? We've got some people in this line and over here. Just come up, guys. Just connect with each other, okay? Either go to the people who raise their hand. There's a sister right back here. We can just go back to where folks are. Some folks right here. Uh, sister back here. Can two or three people go to her? Uh, who else? Right here, the sister, and you can come up, just grab some people, sister here. So if we're not seeing you, come grab some people. we got plenty of folks. We're just going to worship a little bit and just start to pray for each other. Light hand on the forehead, the shoulder, and say, Jesus, come and bring your authority. I come in your name. Come and bring your healing. Let's pray for one another. Be family together. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship.
Now, you might be here and you feel like an orphan when I said the thing about the orphan heart. Sometimes in our life, we just feel like we're all alone and we're just trying to figure out ways to survive. When, the, when I spoke those words about the orphan, for some of us, that meant really meant something to us immediately. The Holy Spirit was speaking to you. So as we continue to worship, if you have felt like an orphan in some area where God the Father is not fighting for you, and you really want to just come back home. He's been waiting for you. He wants to father you right at the place of that, of that pain where you feel stuck and you feel all alone like a literal orphan. You're not. You're not. He's a good father and he'll father you. So I would encourage you to get some prayer. If that speaks to you, the Lord wants to open that up. And the three words that you want to hang on to Three words are this, Father, Father me. Right in the place where you feel that incredible fear, where you feel the isolation, where you feel invisible, where you feel like you have been hurt and now you need to be your own protector. Father, would you father me right there? And he will release all that you need to live a spirit of adoption and not the spirit of an orphan. So I'd encourage you to get prayer. 
And that Father, Father may come close, Jesus. Come, Lord. Come, meet us in those places too, Jesus. Your blood that comes 